Welcome back to the CCW 10th anniversary podcast. Whoop whoop. That was my best like radio host voice. Um, I'm Haley reconnecting with my friend Sarah as we talk about this awesome episode on community. Community, such a good topic, such a like essential thing when we talk about CCW. And really when we speak of community, we also speak of our community questions because that is like a way we build community. And so Haley, what is our community question for today? Okay, our community question is appropriate to talk about CCW only community because I think it's one of the hottest debates of the CCW community. Um, Leadership is even divided over it. I mean, I yes, it is. Um, it just, it evokes so many feelings. It creates... Um, it creates in-groups and out-groups. Truly puts our values to the test. It really does. So our community question is, what are your thoughts on that condiment mayonnaise? That condiment mayonnaise. Um, well, I love mayonnaise. It's my favorite condiment. I think it is the perfect, like, base for various sauces and dressings. And I think it moistens a sandwich. It moistens a sandwich really well. And it's just got a nice little tang, particularly Duke's mayonnaise. Duke's mayonnaise is the superior mayonnaise. If you're basing your opinions on mayonnaise off of any other kind of mayonnaise or Miracle Whip, then like Miracle Whip like is garbage. Yes. That's, then that's a whole why you don't separate like separate conversation. Yes. <laughs> yes. But like some people like think that's mayonnaise. And so they like base their opinion on mayonnaise off of Miracle Whip. And it's not. Um, Duke's mayonnaise is the superior mayonnaise. Mayonnaise is the superior condiment. Um, and that is my opinion. Haley, what are your thoughts? All right. I, I, um, I'm not an Enneagram nine, but there is something about this question that like pulls me towards a nine where I don't have strong feelings one way or the other on mayonnaise. And I think a lot of that is because Chris hates mayonnaise or anything that has that like sour cream or has that kind of like base. How could you marry him, Haley? And so it was a problem for a while of like, when I would cook things or whatever, wanting to know if there was mayonnaise in them. So I basically just stopped buying or making things that had mayonnaise in them. But I think for me, it's not necessarily mayonnaise that like I love. It's the base that mayonnaise provides to something like a creamy aioli or like, um, like spicy mayo in mm-hmm. like a, uh, an Asian dish, you know, or on sushi, like is really delicious. So I have to say like, you know, just the white stuff in a jar that sits on a shelf, maybe not, I, I can be fine without it on a sandwich, but there are dips There are dressings, there are sauces that are enhanced. So yeah, I'm okay 
But then if I think about all the things that include mayonnaise, I don't think I could live my life without it. Mm. Okay. It's good to hear. Our friendship was not in jeopardy because it's that strong, but like it does affirm that you're like, like you're, you're, you're a top tier, top tier friend. I will say though, I do tend to buy craft and that might, that might put our relationship in jeopardy. Craft is acceptable. Dukes is superior. And, you know, you're doing much better than Derek because, you know, he believes this heresy that mayonnaise is an abomination to the Lord. Um, He's on his journey towards perfection. It's okay. He'll get there. Um, (laughs) And I can say all of that because he's not here to say otherwise. Um, But yes, so definitely a hot button issue in CCW. Uh, please, you know, feel free to weigh in in whatever CCW community group comment section you're a part of on your thoughts on mayonnaise. I really Um, hope we didn't lose listeners in this first (laughs) few minutes because we have a great episode. We're talking to some great community people and members. Austin's going to be our main interview. Um, Austin Davis was a great interview and he came prepared with like points like ready for you to take notes so honestly Austin like gave kind of a bit of a master class and I think that everyone needs to listen to it it was good it was really, really good. good and we have some other people too um that we get to hear from like we get to hear from Gabby she tells the raccoon story um if you don't know the raccoon stories you should listen and Christina Gonzalez and Ryan Crump, who is like a newer face. That some of you may not know, but we love Ryan. He's incredible. Um, and then we yeah. asked Brooke to give us a five minute interview. And 26 minutes later, we have edited down five minutes for you to enjoy. Yes. And if you know Brooke, that makes perfect sense. So, but also please. she just loves this community so much. And there were a couple times that she even like moved me because they really Brooke's interview was fantastic it's a shame we can only show like five minutes of it but please um, enjoy it and who knows maybe if y'all ask we'll give you the full unreleased or currently unreleased uh, Brooke Lawrence interview stay tuned CCW 10th Anniversary Podcast. I'm Haley. And I'm Sarah. And we're celebrating 10 years of asking questions, exploring faith, and loving one another in CCW. Join us as we recap the last 10 years and hope for the future with individuals who have shaped and continue to shape CCW. We'll share stories, laughs, dreams, and insights as we unpack the last decade of living the 614 life. We're so grateful to be able to come together to celebrate the continuation of this ministry where college-age young adults become leaders and laborers who will rebuild, renew, and restore their families, communities, and the world. Thanks for listening. It's Gabby. So I used to work for CCW as the Assistant Director of Communications and Media. And before then, I went to gatherings in CCW as a student at JU. And now I'm in New York. I'm in grad school at New York University 
in their experimental humanities and social engagement program studying creative writing. So JU used to have a raccoon problem and these raccoons were huge. They were so big and they were everywhere. They would fall out of trees. It was nightmarish. So it wasn't surprising to anyone that these raccoons would come into the chapel during our gatherings and we would very often have to chase them out. Chris Fuller was especially good at it, so most of our memories of those first years at JU are of Chris chasing these giant raccoons out of the chapel. So I guess students weren't the only ones who used to come to CCW for free food. Hello everyone, uh, we are back for another um, interview segment um, on the CCW 10th anniversary podcast. Today, um, in our conversation about community, uh, we are talking to Austin Davis, who is one of our former assistant directors of community. So it's super fitting to talk to him about this, um, you know, it's literally in his old job title. Um, so I'll let him introduce himself some more and kind of walk us through what his CCW journey looked like. Yeah. Hello. Uh, as Sarah said, I am Austin Davis. That is, that is I. Um, yeah, I've done a lot of things through CCW. I came on and kind of started uh, in the band, um, playing music, and then I started being a ministry assistant for Flagler first, I think it was, and then uh, after that, JU ministry assistant. And then I have something called a ministry associate, which no one really knows what that is. It's just kind of a, you're going to wear a lot of hats position. And then I was uh, assistant director of community. So I, I headed a bunch of uh, the community events, um, just dealing with all of that and some of the housing stuff too. So I was the community night person, uh, the person that brought the, uh, the glorious, uh, live karaoke that happened, um, which I miss dearly, but yeah, did a lot of stuff and yeah, it was a bunch of fun. Yeah, you definitely did a lot. I, I was thinking about it as you were kind of walking through that. And I was like, yeah, Austin ran community nights and there were like various other just like hangs throughout the week. And like we like you and I did the Perfect Love podcast together, which was like oh, yeah. reconciling ministry stuff. Podcasts. And yeah, yeah. I, I, I forget about like the the Flagler times, too, where I was like, like living next to downtown and just doing events every single night, pretty much like at Flagler. And it was, it was a ton of fun. I love that stuff. But like, I just forget that I was living on Flagler's campus, like majority of the time back then. But yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's quite a rhythm. And now you're in a completely different rhythm. Um, I'm just really bad at segueing into this question, which is just, how's your soul? <laughs> okay, but aren't we Jeez. always bad at segueing into that I, I, question? Yeah, like I think we that's sit the down. point. It's like, yeah. it's, it's always going to be hard. I met, uh, we, I started talking with a, a new student and I um, asked them the question and they were like, whoa, that's a question. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Um, I mean, yeah, my, my soul is... Right now in this moment, my soul is tired. Uh, like I just, I worked a eight hour shift like usual at lovely Target. Uh, it's one of my jobs right now as well as bartending. Um, and yeah, 
retail is exhausting. Customer service is exhausting. So, uh, but I'm back here and outside of that, like doing really, really great, really enjoying my work that I do um, and enjoying the time that I'm not working as well and getting to actually do the things I love. So really good, like work home balance right now, which is, it means a lot to me. You're talking about you know, work-life balance and you, you know, you work at a bar, you work at Target. You also still play music for CCW sometimes. Like you still come, you know, do the guitar or piano or cajon. Really, you're kind of like a jack of all trades musician kind of guy. Um, I I love that about CCW in my life right now. Cause like majority of the stuff I do with CCW now is just like, yeah, hopping in and doing music stuff. So it's like a I just, I like having those opportunities to do music because I I don't get too many opportunities like that right now. And it's hard for me to like make myself sit down and play music and like sometimes. So just having it where it's like, Hey, can you do this thing? I'm like, yeah, sure. Cause I get to play music. I get to get back into that and just like get to experience the chemistry between musicians is always a fun thing. Yeah. Speaking of like, I guess, chemistry between musicians that always makes me phrases like that always make me like start thinking of like memories and moments with people and so I'm curious if you have a favorite CCW memory specifically one that's kind of grounded in community which really if anyone's spent a lot of time in CCW like community is CCW CCW is community like Mm -hmm. it's yeah yeah um I really really enjoyed the time I had at Flagler. Um, especially just because like, then I was the ministry assistant and like everyone else was like around my age and kind of going through the same things in life. So it's like, yeah, I was, I was making community happen. Uh, but also like it was working for me too. Like it was both like a serving thing and a a giving and taking, but especially like just the nights we go and play putt putt and like grab ice cream afterwards and then get all philosophical and talk about deep theology and all this stuff. Like those moments were just so refreshing and like in a city like St. Augustine too, it's like this beach town. It's, it was usually like sunset and like, we're all just like hanging out and talking about all this stuff. And like, just the feeling of connection that that brought was just so amazing. I love that those are your favorite memories because a lot of times, even when we, are, you know, kind of segmenting up topics for this podcast, you know, we'll tend to put like worship or discipleship in its own category from community. And yet community is the area where like those things bleed in or carry over or, you know, a conversation that starts about, um, you know, uh, professors or some show that you're watching can like turn so quickly into, um, something deeper. And I think a lot of that has to do with the kind of culture and cultivation that happens. Um, and so I'm wondering how you feel like, uh, cultivating community is important for the mission of campus ministry and what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, uh, like I, I spoke to with just like my favorite memories and like seeing how those small instances can create like lifelong friendships. Uh, I, I think that that's a really big uh, important part of like cultivating all of that is just like, it, it creates opportunity. Um, 
but on a like a uh, very like ministry kind of uh, perspective, I also think that like it gives leaders a chance to like really step into the lives of the people they're leading or hanging out with. I hate, I always hate putting it in this like leader and students or like pastor and sheep or whatever it is. Like, I hate that, but like it, it gives you a chance to really understand the lives of the people that you're preaching to that you're leading worship for that you're starting small groups for. And like, that is the most important thing as a community, as a ministry, as a church, whatever you are, you need to know what's going on in the lives of the people around you. Cause if not, what you're going to be preaching is either going to be irrelevant or it's going to come across as just like uppity and like, you just don't know the lives of the people around you. So I think cultivating that, like getting in there and understanding people's lives is super important. I also think for another leader perspective for leaders, like I personally don't know why I would want to work in a space that is not community driven to work in a space that I don't understand the people around me, or I'm not at least trying to understand the people around me. Uh, uh, the best place to work is a place you're passionate about and a place that you love the people around you. And like, I I've got to learn from so many people in CCW um, from their stories. And I've got to see so many different perspectives because of all the people in CCW. And that's the reason why I was in CCW for so long is because of that, that beautiful process of, communing of being in community and sharing these stories and perspectives and stuff like to, to cultivate that is to cultivate like long-term community. And that's what it was like. So I, I, yeah, there's so many reasons I could go on and on and go down so many rabbit holes, but there's so many reasons. Yeah. I, you said so many insightful and good things that were like, so like resin, like they resonated with me. I don't know if resonatory is a word. They were resonatory. <laughs> I'm making it a word, <laughs> but you started talking about kind of, I guess like the desire for deep connection and community that is like essential to CCW and this cultivating of long-term friendships, right? Not circumstantial, like involvement with one another, but like being invested in each other's lives post this time in, you know, 18 to 24 years old. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm curious how you think, I guess, CCW's approach to community and the way CCW community happens and works differs from others you've been a part of. And maybe it's all the things you said, right. But I just, I feel like I want to probe deeper into that. Like what makes it unique? Yeah. Um, I think that CCW, the, the biggest thing I see, they, they offer or we offer, I don't know where to talk from now, I'm out of CCW, but uh, a community that has so many opportunities, like, like no other. There's these opportunities left and right for you to use your gifts 
and your talents and it's just yeah it's it's so expansive like just to be able to be in a space especially as a college student and feel useful and feel needed um by having those opportunities open up to you by having someone come up to you and be like hey you want to be in the band hey you want to like be in you want to be helping with the videography of these things or the recording of this or do you want to serve at this event like that's amazing and i i don't see that too many other places like i'll i'll hear like and not that it's a bad thing but i'll hear hey you want to join the small group like you should join our small group that'd be great and it's like cool but yeah that's awesome that's a really good thing but like i'm not i'm not doing anything for this like I'm just going to it, but yeah, I think just the amount of opportunities that are offered and how open CCW is with just like giving those out and be like, yes, we trust, we trust our students. We trust our people to lead this front, to lead CCW, to be the voices, to be the talents, the gifts, everyone is in this and they're going to steer this. And I think it's beautiful. Just the, the whole, I can't remember what the, the leadership uh, triangle or pyramid or whatever it is, is called, but like the students and the colleges and people in those colleges are at the very top of CCW. They are in control. So, and it's like, when you first walk through the door, the door, you command the space in a sense, you can just go in there and be like, Hey, I didn't like how this happens. Or like, Hey, I'd like to see more of this. And immediately if I was still working, I would be like, okay, we got to see more of this stuff. Like I'm going to pitch this to the directors. Like we need to work with this. So I think there's a lot of power, um, given just to everyone in a CCW, but uh, another way CCW differs is just, uh, how genuinely deep, uh, the connections are. Um, like we aren't having coffee with you to check a box. Like it's driven by passion. It's driven by, we want to know how you are actually because you matter. And because we're involving you in all these things and because all of these opportunities are available, like we want to know how we can help you to achieve your goals and your gifts and how you can participate in CCW the best you want to, to your, your capabilities. Um, so I, I just think, that through that, like even with leadership and even in the, like the friendships, like you just create this deep friendship, especially with the, how's your soul question, which is yeah, an annoyance, but it's also beautiful because it really does open up a space that you wouldn't talk about on your daily, like talks with people or just like in the classroom or wherever you are, like, that's not something you open up to, especially when it's formatted in the way of like, Oh, how are you doing? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And you talk about that a little bit. And then you ask, Oh, how's your soul? You're like, okay, this, this is a deeper layer to this. It's just not how I'm doing. Um, I really, I really love that question specifically. And yeah, it goes out to Derek for sure. But, uh, that just the intentionality to actually have a deep connection, uh, caring for each other um, is very different than a lot of other places.
I love that. And I love that description of even just around coffees, that experience of how are you doing versus how is your soul and just kind of pursuing that deeper and deeper level of relationship and passion for our students. Um, We're going to talk more about community cultivation, but let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and hear more from Austin. So while we pause from our community uh, discussion with Austin, we're checking in with Ryan Crump, who is a current community member with us and student at UNF. Ryan, how are you doing this this summer? Good. I'm doing good. Uh, Yeah. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved in CCW and like what roles you serve in. Uh, How I got involved was... My uh, my church did a uh, scholarship program, but the like main requirement was that you had to be a part of a United Methodist organization. So my options were to join Wesley or to like find a church in Jacksonville. And one of those seemed a lot more difficult than the other one. So I was like, I'll go to Wesley. And if I don't hate it, like at least I'll do it for like, at least I'll do it until I get the scholarship money and then we'll figure it out from there. Uh, but I showed up the first week and everyone was super nice. And I met, uh, most people. I don't remember if I met Sarah, probably met Sarah, probably happened. Um, but yeah, it was like, I was like, well, this is convenient and not hard. So it kind of just like became a thing of like, this is easier than trying to figure something else out. And then it slowly became like, oh, this is enjoyable. And then I got pushed to go to fall retreat through peer pressure from Troy and Derek, which is how most things in my life, uh, CCW life has occurred is through peer pressure. Uh, I mean, I don't regret it, but it definitely was peer pressure. (laughs) Okay. So you got peer pressured into going to fall retreat. Correct. What happens next and how has that impacted your continued CCW journey? (laughs) I mean, it was fun I enjoyed it they were like it was a good time I was like oh I actually like agree with their political like agree with like their like beliefs on religion and this is the first place I've been to where like the answer of I don't know to the question was not only acceptable but encouraged so it wasn't like oh you don't have all of the answers to religion at the age of 17 hmm you must not love God and it's like uh no, I don't have a leg. I, I don't. What, what is this about? So it was like good to be part of an organization that was like, yeah, I don't have the answers either. And I was like, oh, cool. Cool. We're all in the same boat together. So what you're saying is you got tricked into co- joining the community and then coerced to go deeper in the community. But then you were like, you know what? It's pretty cool. I'm going to hang around. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely was. The start of it sounds like it should go poorly. Oh, my gosh. Ryan, I always enjoy talking. I always laugh when I talk to you. You're such a 
intelligent and funny person. So how would you describe CCW's community? You've talked about kind of like your experience getting absorbed into it, but how would you describe it? Chaos. In the truest and deepest sense, just chaos. Definitely mostly about like, hey, I don't know all the answers. You don't know all the answers. So let's try to figure out some of the answers together in a way that everyone feels both like safe and loved. And the idea of like, people have been burned by the church before. So it isn't my job to prove that I'm right. It's my job to like, to understand why you feel the way you do, which in comparison to most church is just chaos. Well, I think it's interesting you highlight it that way because um, it seems like what's the most important is that it doesn't feel like a very authoritative fixed space, that there's a lot of movement and openness um, that has maybe been why you stayed. Yeah, the like, I think authoritative church was the thing that I was a part of previously And I kind of slowly stopped liking that because I feel like religion can't be authoritative in nature. Like if your religious organization is extremely authoritative, that's like ruining the relationship you're supposed to have with God. And it's like, no, this is the right way to do it. And it's like, no, the right way to do it is to have a relationship with God. That could be different for everybody. So if you think that your way is like the correct way, now you're, you know, like that seems... Like you're putting words into God's mouth, which seems at best like a bad idea. At best like a bad idea. That's a phrase. I like it. I'm curious if there is a specific community memory from your time in CCW that like stands out as like favorite, especially pointed. Um, Yeah. The two that I remember is when Troy said that I cheated on the crap test, uh, which is my, which is one of my favorite. This is both from my, the first, this is both from the exact same trip, which was fall, fall, fall review 2018, which is Troy. We were taking the crap test is a thing that if you have questions about, ask most people in CCW, there isn't enough time for me to explain it, nor do I really remember how to explain it. Pause. When Ryan's referring to the crap test, he's referring to something that we use in CCW space called the Christian Spectrum Model, um, affectionately called the crap model. It's a way for us to see the vast differences amongst people who all um, consider themselves a part of the Christian faith and to help us map out um, where we line up so that we can better understand people who line up differently on that model. Unpause. And they asked what the one Jesus was most like. And I said the center. And then Troy looked at me and said I was cheating because I guess I guessed the right answer. And he was like, you're cheating, right? I was like, how am I cheating? This is an opinion-based test. He's like, that wasn't one of the choices. We had four choices. He chose a fifth choice that wasn't on the options. And I was like, did I get it right? And Derek was like, yeah. And that was Troy's like, and that's why I'm mad. Uh, so that one's fun. Uh, and then the other one is when I convinced other people, and I don't remember who it is. I'll, I think I convinced Neil, but that might have been Spring Retreat when I convinced Neil to do it. 
I give it to a few people to chug orange juice with me. And by orange juice, I mean orange flavored water because that stuff is not juice. Tastes so bad. And I chugged like half a gallon of it. It was such a terrible idea. But it's such a terrible idea that I did with friends. Speaking of like being in a house with a lot of people, because that's what retreat is, is being in a house with a lot of people. Um, I'm curious what your take on the residency program has been, especially as it's impacted your view of community. Because you've lived in CCW housing for the last year. I know you're not there for the summer, but like, how has that affected it? I don't know. It was weird because we didn't like really do community. Like there was, but there wasn't like in-person community last year. Previously years, a lot of things have happened on houses. And like normally like once a month, things will happen at a house, if not multiple houses. Uh, but like nothing happened because it wasn't safe to do anything. So I was really just like living in a house with people that I knew from CCW, which was nice because I knew who they, like I wasn't randomly getting roommates that I didn't know. And I knew who they were and I knew that we'd get along, but I didn't have like a very community based experience just in like how the cards fell. That's fair. I've had, I lived in CCW housing for a couple of years and there are definitely houses where like people became very close friends and then there are houses where everyone just kind of like vibed with each other and we were all kind of there and, you know, had similar things, but we're not knit together like peanut butter and jelly or whatever a good pairing is. I don't know. Well, Ryan, as always, it has been lovely to talk to you. And to hear your perspective on things and hear about your journey from someone who came into CCW because they needed scholarship money to being an intern and like being a very active part of our leadership. And I mean, you like, you run like a D&D group for CCW now and like just all these things. You just, yeah. I don't know if you run it. You assist. You're there. Like from what definitely a part of it. I am definitely there. I attend it. Run's a big word. You just take ownership of the work you do, Ryan. Take ownership. Um, Friends, thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next segment of the podcast. We are so grateful to our students, partners, and alumni, without whom the last 10 years would not have been possible. As your Northeast Florida campus ministry, we rely on your support to connect with college-aged young adults. Because of your donations, we are able to reach 18 to 24-year-olds at UNF, Flagler, JU, and DWU, as well as those who are on other campuses in Northeast Florida or not attending college. We are also able to connect with students both in and out of Northeast Florida on our digital campus, Studio Wesley. Here, we are able to meet students where they are, online, and provide them with a space to ask questions and grow their faith. To celebrate 10 years of CCW, we've set a goal of raising $10,000. That's $1,000 for every year CCW has been your campus ministry. You can celebrate a decade of CCW by visiting campustocity.org slash 10 to give your one-time anniversary gift or commit to supporting CCW with a monthly gift. Again, that address is campustocity.org slash T-E-N. Thanks for being part of the celebration.
Hi, friends. Um, I am really excited about our guest, who I actually do not know as well as I know um, her husband. But we have um, Christina Gonzalez uh, joining us to talk about community and her time with CCW. Christina, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Even in the third trimester, you're doing well? Even in the third trimester. Today makes 30 weeks exactly, actually. Awesome. I'm glad to hear it. I am um, so glad to get a chance to get to know you better. And um, I have heard a lot about um, just the impact you've made at uh, CCW and people who still talk about like things that um, you've done. So I would love to know if you just tell us a little bit about what your role was when you were here. Sure. Yeah. So CCW for me got started um, going to my junior year. And at first I was a student, um, really excited to participate in CCW, which kind of evolved with a lot of the same people that had been a part of Access to 18, um, which I'm really dating myself now with that with that reference, I recognize, but um, my freshman and sophomore year, I was really involved with Access to 18 um, with Derek and a lot of the same people that then helped to start CCW. So um, I was one of the, the founding students, at least at that time. I was not um, yet on staff, but um, was pretty involved in volunteering. And then at the end of my senior year, I joined um, the staff and I was um, I believe associate director or assistant director of discipleship. And then I think later we added in of partnerships too, because um, I was interested in kind of the development side of things as well. So um, that was my role. And it went from part-time into full-time after I graduated. Um, and I worked full-time there for about a year um, while we were still living in Jacksonville before we moved up to Durham, North Carolina the year after. It sounds um, like you still have some close friendships with CCW people as well. So that community building has been lasting. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's um, quite a few of my friends as recently as two weeks ago, I was just up in Jacksonville um, for a really good friend's baby shower from CCW. Um, there's been weddings, there's been countless birthday parties, Halloween parties, because it's probably a lot of vacations that I've continued to go back. Um, we haven't lived in Jacksonville since we're now down in Orlando, but it's not too far of a drive and continue to go back there and hang out with friends um, who really the only friends I'm in touch with from college are those that are from CCW. Um, and there's quite a few that are kind of in like a core group of us who have kept up and, and stayed in touch and part of each other's lives. That's so lovely. Like, I don't know. I just, I like whenever connection like lasts, whenever it wasn't just circumstantial. Um, how, I guess this might sound like a weird question, but how have you seen God at work in CCW's community, both like while you were involved in the deep community building. And then I guess as it's carried out into the rest of your life and these connections you've still maintained. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's a really great question. Um, when, so when I came to, to UNF, I was really intentional about trying every campus ministry and not just doing like the Methodist one, because I grew up, I was born and raised Methodist. 
But as it turned out, um, the, the same community that then later went on to become the CCW community was the one that I felt was the most authentic, the most where I was able to just be myself. Um, they were the most diverse, for sure, the most welcoming, accepting space. Um, so I really, um, and that continued throughout the, the four years that I was a student there, I really saw God at work in the way that people at CCW loved, the way they pursued community, um, the way they pursued other students, made people feel comfortable that maybe there's no other campus ministry in all of the two um, or three campuses, all three colleges, you know, that, that someone would have found that home and found that safety and found that comfort in um, besides CCW. So I think that was really um, the way that God was was working and, and continues to work through um, through the community with CCW. It's interesting how so many things can be different in the way that the ministries lived out, but how so many things can stay the same. And I mean, just this morning, we were having a conversation about pursuing the people who don't fit in other Mm. campus ministries. And it sounds like that's something that has uh, been a commitment from from the beginning, from the time you've been apart um, to now. So I think that's, you know, the time in CCW um, prepared me well for um just I think relationships above all else I think that's really what CCW at the end of the day um was about um you know I think one of the things that stands out Derek would always um talk about is the idea of social holiness you know versus or you know on the one hand there's personal holiness on the other hand there's social holiness um but that was really where I saw, what I saw manifest through CCW was that social holiness and that how do we love others and care for others. And that part of what Wesley was really about, um, I think really, really played out and continues to play out um, through the CCW community. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good like Methodist note to end on. Very Methodist. <laughs> yes. So thank you so much for chatting with us, Christina. It was so good to like hear some of your story. Um, because mostly I like have heard about you and I know you're the person who like mm-hmm. owns our leaders group because you made it. So we can't ever like do it without you. Oh um, my gosh. <laughs> I should like, give, I should give the access to like someone <laughs> who can attend uh, to it more. <laughs> But yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. It was so, so good to hear some of your story and how CCW has impacted you. Um, and for everyone listening, uh, you know, keep listening because there's more to this podcast. We would not have been able to extend our ministry to Flagler College without the support and encouragement of the pastors, leaders, and members of Grace United Methodist Church in St. Augustine. From free meals and a space to gather for worship, to financial support and just showing up, Grace has been an essential partner in our ministry. We are deeply grateful that we are in ministry together to serve college-age young adults in the St. Augustine area.
All right, Austin, you uh, left us talking about the things that that CCW um, community is, the ways CCW's community is different from others and talking a little bit about like the depth, the care and those things. I'm curious about how does a community get to that place where they're different? What are the foundational things that build good community? So uh, I think even though like a community of people is definitely not one singular person in a relationship, I think it's very similar to some like good foundations for a good relationship with the, like a one-on-one relationship. So I, I think communication, uh, well, I'll say, I'll say the three and then I'll go into them a little more communication, expectation and accountability are a fantastic foundation. Um, communication, of course, uh, because you can actually communicate your needs. Uh, you can communicate what you're needing of someone and just communicate in general. I think like being able to communicate, like, thank you for doing this and being able to take people out and show them that you care for them. Communicating in those type of ways is just huge. Um, and sometimes does not happen in church spaces or ministry spaces because so many people are wearing so many hats and they get lost in the shuffle. Um, so just communicating, thanking and all of that, uh, expectation I think is important. And it's sometimes kind of the fuel of a, a good community to keep like going on and persevering, um, because you have to expect things of each other in any relationship. You have some sort of expectation towards, uh, if you're going to show up, uh, if you're going to uh, be there for that person to be able to kind of uh, trust and have expectations in within the community, um, that's really important. And from a leadership perspective it is super scary to do is like to expect, oh yeah, this person will be there. That person will be there. They'll be able to do that. I'm not going to have to step in because it takes an amount of hands-off leadership and trust in people that could have just walked through your door like just a little bit ago. So it's like, I think that one is like the scariest is the expectation part. And it is for me in general, just like expecting things and having things expected of me. Um, and then accountability. Um, and this one, I think this accountability goes to any sort of relationship ever. Uh, just being able to keep each other's accountable uh, to to check in with each other. We see it's stuff in the, in the UMC, like with people being accountable for things and being like, okay, if this person does this, then there's actually going to be some sort of like, okay, then we need to have a conversation. So I, yeah, I think accountability is kind of, it can be a stern thing. Sometimes it can be a very, like, I think accountability can be, uh, puts like, like right next to like, Oh, there's consequences and stuff. Like immediately that's kind of what we start to think of is like, Oh, there's, if you do this, then you have to uh, go in timeout or something like that. That's what I think of when I think accountability sometimes, but I think what it really means is just like observing and being uh, able to have conversations, honest conversations about people and the way they're acting, the, the way they're reacting and stuff and hold people to those standards. Um, so those, those three things, I think, especially 
are really good means to start kind of building into community, um, especially communication too. Oh my God. There's never a time where you over communicate something. That is so insightful. I, um, I feel like these are just good things for life, like for all types of relationships, but I really love the way you break those down and the way that community, if we're going to rely on one another, we do have to expect and have accountability and, and communication. Yeah. I took notes for that. I'm going <laughs> to have homework to do. I love that. Absolutely. Like you're so right. And I, I love how much thought you have behind like what the foundation of good community looks like and what like, the intentionality you brought to like every action you took in CCW, right? That's something I've always appreciated about you is just the fact that you, you think about things and then you like create these like plans based off of these kind of, I guess, like philosophical, like, I I think, I I think when I went about things, like there's sometimes, yeah, I definitely thought before planning some putt putt golf thing, and like just meticulously like and put it all together. And then there's sometimes where it's just like, yeah, this is going to happen. And once, and once, once I get there, like you can still live out all of those things in the moment. There's no like due date to communicate or to be expectant or to be accountable. Like it's be those things whenever you can. Um, Cause it's just something to lean into. But I don't know if that was really a response or just like an idea that was sparked by what you said. But no, no, that was so, so good. No, I just, I think I was, you said it better than I would, but yeah, I was like, even in times whenever we are like throwing things together at the last minute, nothing is going right. No one's in the right mood. Like the fact that you had put in these thoughts, you know, beforehand, like gave space for those moments. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. But I'm also curious about the evolution of community and like the changes that have happened in CCW community as you've been here to witness a substantial chunk of years of that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So so before beforehand, I said uh, to Haley and Sarah that my answer to this is going to be one word and maybe a letter. I don't know how to say it or two words, but the biggest single change I have seen to all of CCW is Gen Z. Gen Z, hands down. And it changes everything. It really does. Like, I, so I'm like a cusper or whatever. I'm in the middle of all of this. I'm 96. And the cutoff was like maybe 96 or 94, or I, I don't really know what it is. So, um, Gen Z just gets stuff done. This is the evolution. Like it has evolved into people who are so willing to take those opportunities. Uh, Four years ago, I was very like on the ground with everyone in Flagler. I I could see everything that was going on. I was the person who was offering opportunities sometimes. I could see those opportunities happening. Most of the time, stuff wouldn't get accepted really. People are like, yeah, no, no, it's okay. Like, I just want to be a part of CCW and nothing against that. Honestly, I get it. It's a lot of work, but Gen Z and just the mentality of this generation, like they, yeah, I'll be your videographer. Yeah. I'll be in the band. Yeah. 
preaching is a cool thing and I, I might want to be that in the future. So I'll do that a bunch. Like, and, and just people are like hopping into these positions and it's just beautiful to see like the, the courage of the people in CCW and not that stuff didn't get done before that. I think the majority of what was happening kind of in my heyday was like this, uh, deconstruction and reconstruction was like the big thing. Uh, when I first started, it was talking, it was kind of analyzing, working with stuff. And honestly, that could be the platform that was created to make people feel confident enough to take action now. So sure, either way, but I think we were more discussing these things, breaking them down. And now I see all the stuff getting done and it's like insanity just to see that like freshmen can hop in the CCW and just be like, going, 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 like we're in this hundred percent. Like we used to, we used to have to like win people over a little bit, at least with CCW be like, yeah, don't you want to join? It's pretty cool. Like we like love people unconditionally and stuff, but now people are like, yeah, that's great. Let's do it. And I just love it. I love the enthusiasm. Uh, I, I love just the, yeah, the, the willpower and, all the people just bringing their gifts and putting it like right up front. Um, that's the the biggest thing I've seen for sure. I, I definitely can see that. I mean, even in the middle of a pandemic with students taking all of their classes online, we had three of our first year students get involved either in uh, helping with production and signing for our band or in playing in the band. Um, and that's a, that's, uh, amazing that the assumption wasn't, I'll wait for someone to ask me, you know, maybe I need to get to know people better. Um, but that their gifts could be used right away. Yeah. I think, you know, speaking of Gen Z and like what they're doing and what they're needing and like where they're moving. Um, I mean, I think we have to center our work in them, right? Like they are the generation that is here. I'm like also a cuspy person. Um, I'm a little bit like more Sorry. Like into cuspy. The, Just like the <laughs> um, then Austin, I I'm a few years past that, but there's such debate over where Gen Z like stops and starts and ends. Like, I think 2000 is like a firm, but then also I think it's relevant to like what generation your parents were. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you were in an urban setting or a rural setting, I think Gen Z is complicated because it's so rooted in technology. Right. Um, anyway, but since they are the people, right. Or maybe we are the people, I don't know where I fall. Totally. I, I say cuspy cusper. Um, (laughs) what do you think that like community and good community building practices look like, um, as we move forward, especially in a post 2020 world? I mean, we've just had this, are still kind of having this pandemic. Um, what, what does all that look like moving forward? So the good practices, uh, that I have to say are, also the hardest practices for myself. Um, and it, there's also some duality to them. I think that's the right word. We'll see. I think on one hand, we have trust. Uh, a good practice for our community would be trust in each other um, and 
just like that they care for you. Uh, even if you're just getting to know them, that their intentions, even if they are going through a hard time or whatever it is, they are good. Like at the root of their being, they are good, like trusting that. And then on the other side of trust is also questioning, um, which is like, I think it's, it's kind of dualistic, which is hard, but like, I'm just thinking specifically of the time we live in right now uh, and how we can have actually strong community because the time we live in right now is so built on just let's, let's split everyone up. Let's confuse everyone. Let's throw all this stuff out into the media where it's like, what's true. What's not, let's do this. Like, and truth is you got to do research nowadays. It used to be like, Oh, this is obviously true. Like this is obviously ridiculous. I don't know why anyone would believe in this, but like it's getting so washy y'all it's really is. So like just being able to, to, yeah, to question with your friends, with your community, I think is beautiful, but yeah trust your community, your community enough to question with them. Maybe that's the the phrase I, I needed to put it in to, to make it make sense. Um, but yeah, uh, I think those are kind of the biggest things I think of when I think of practices. That's good advice for me too. I was reflecting on the way I can feel guilty about having doubts as someone who leads. And yet I tell students all the time, it's not the antithesis of their faith. It's part of the faith journey. Um, mm. and being willing to, to share that is important. Yeah. Um, all right, before you go, beautiful thoughts on community. We have some rapid fire questions for you. Speed um, round. Yep. And they go from easy to hardest. So. Oh God. Can we reverse that? No. Oh, just, just, first. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, so tell the people what is one thing you can't leave your house without? Um, oh, dang. <laughs> my, my, uh, I'm holding it in front of my face. I know this is an audio only podcast. I got a big fake hydro flask. Um, I'm saying hydrated. So that's, that's, that's probably the thing I can't leave my house without right now. Okay. That's important. Yes. Hydrate or dihydrate, as I believe Derek Langley, who's one of our lovely students who played in the band and just a wonderful human, uh, once said hydrate or dihydrate. Um, (laughs) question two, uh, not as easy. Uh, what does CCW mean to you? Um, hmm, a lot. I mean, formative years of my life is what it means to me. I mean, uh, CCW means the community I was with right after I started deconstructing my faith. So whatever type of ethics I have now, like I owe a lot to, uh, the community and the people and the friends I had in CCW. So that's not a straightforward answer, but that's the answer I have. The answer you have is all we need. And this last question, um, if you could say one thing to today's college students, what would you say? Mm. Uh, <laughs> mess up, mess up, like 
go and embarrass yourself. Like whatever it is that you're anxious about, if it's in yourself or if it's making new friends, because making new friends in college, it's all right. Uh, it's, it's kind of really hard though. Like if you actually want to invest in those people, like just ask people, just, just go ahead. And I'm not saying that out of a place of, Oh, I did that. And you should too. Like, no, it's, it's hard. But what I've been learning recently is just to like embrace it. What's the worst that happens if you are wholeheartedly hundred percent you. It's a beautiful message from an Enneagram six to our Enneagram ones out there. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so much for uh, spending time with us, Austin, for talking about community, yeah. uh, sharing just your passion, your desire for college age, young adults out there and the church in general. And I hope you're doing well. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's good seeing you all too. All right, friends. Well, I know that if this is um, not your first episode tuning in, you've probably heard this name from other people we've interviewed, although we're interviewing out of order. So maybe you haven't. And they're people that we've interviewed for later episodes. Regardless, someone who's made an impact on CCW has been the one, the only Brooke Lawrence. uh, And she is going to help us with our future focus. So, hey, Brooke, how are you doing? Good. Um, to I'm going to date myself right now, Go. but um, Hurricane Elsa is coming. Um, so, that's exciting. Um, I'm at Warren Willis, and tomorrow we are going to try to watch Frozen 1 and Frozen 2. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be safe and secure. I hope the rain doesn't make a big noise, but I'm also excited to be here, even if it doesn't sound like I'm excited. (laughs) I'm excited to be here and to be talking with y'all and to talk about CCW, because that's one of the things that I can't stop talking about. Speaking of dating yourself, can you fill people in who don't know you, like uh, when you graduated and um, what your current role with CCW is? Oh, wow. That's the question. <laughs> so I started coming to CCW. I actually, uh, what was it, like November 4th, 2016? It was like the Wednesday after the 2016 election. Um, that's when I feel like I really started to step into CCW. Um, and then I graduated in 2018, the summer of 2018. And then I became ministry assistant for um, UNF, and then I became a ministry associate. And I've been director of community for since the beginning of 2021. And except right now, I guess I'm taking a break to be team pastor at Warren Willis. I mean, I'm not sure you're really taking a break. You're still in the group chat. You still <laughs> respond to base camp posts. You're just not like here physically present we do meet periodically and like I don't know I I wouldn't necessarily say that you're taking a break from being the assistant director of community I just I think you're just like 
doing a lot right now, actually. Uh, uh, yeah, Derek likes and the group a podcast I listened to for a meeting that I wasn't attending. Um, and I listened to it. So that's <laughs> like, that's where we're at. I'm curious in your like time in CCW, what has brought you the most hope? Like, especially as it relates to community, I guess, but just generally. I'm going to do the thing where I like cry every time I talk about CCW. Um, CCW itself brought me so much hope. Um, so I joined CCW my junior year of college and a bunch of people know this. Um, it was like the first thing people know about me sometimes. Um, but when I was in college, I, um, I had severe PTSD and I feel like my whole college journey was a journey of like literally feeling dead inside to like feeling like I was coming back to life. Um, but I, I just lived with so much darkness and I felt like I was trying to find my faith, um, to find a way to walk with Jesus, but I was just convinced based on my past experiences um, with religion. I was convinced that I would never find a community um, that I could be a part of. Um, and then I found CCW and it, it was just such a source of great light for me. And one thing that we say in CCW, especially as people who are on staff at CCW, is that it's not, our job is to get people, um, teach people how to follow Jesus. And we do that by like teaching them how to be a part of CCW. And then from there, hoping that from that they learn to follow Jesus and not just follow and be a part of CCW. And I so feel like that was a crucial part of my journey. Um, because I, when I joined CCW, it was the brightest thing in my life. Um, I had a community, which I already, I always craved community. I had these people who really cared about making a difference in the world in a way that I just had not encountered or believed in before this point. Um, I had people who were really, really trying to follow Jesus um, and to love one another. Um, and it, it was just so bright and it brought me so much hope that I had as a child, but that I had, that I just faded away in so many ways. The CCW taught me that there can be goodness in the world. There can be light. There is love. There is graciousness. There are all of these good and beautiful and wonderful things. No, Sarah mentioned that you um, <clears throat> have said you're on break, you know, working at camp, but in some ways um, working at camp is like extending the type of work CCW does in supporting college age young adults as the team pastor, you're supporting college-age young adults who are counselors this year. I'm just wondering if that experience working at camp, working with these counselors has impacted uh, how you see CCW and why it's important. Yeah, I think part of what I have learned at Warren Willis in regards to CCW um, is that CCW isn't alone in the good work that we do. Um, and I think CCW is unique, but 
I'm also recognizing that there are so many other Wesleys doing that good work, but but I'm also hoping and I'm trying to help connect students, especially all of the young students that we have at camp, um, at camp this summer with Wesleys in their area so that they can continue to grow spiritually um, and find community and friendship in environments that are really, really built to support them. Um, inclusive, loving, Jesus-centered environments um, that can nurture and love them and all that they are. Yeah, yeah, that's so beautiful, like, to hear the way you're being able to sit in this space and help people navigate what can be a very chaotic and, like, confusing time and, like, connect them to community and support systems that are are going to like help them grow as individuals and as individuals of faith. Um, so it's yeah. really wonderful. And that's, and that's another thing too, that I'm just realizing very fully at camp. Um, you know, unfortunately I feel like I've been disconnected from students um, this past year, just because so much has been virtual, but to be with, um, college young adults at camp and to just recognize like, of grief that the pandemic has brought all of the disruption and like, those disruptions continue to impact our lives in unexpected ways and we are still dealing with that and just all of the stuff that 2020 and 2021 and honestly probably like the past half decade has brought us um, it's made me appreciate how much we need um, how much we need community and I need grace and how much we need each other even as I'm recognizing that because so many of us are struggling more openly and apparently with mental health um, even as those things are harder to access um, I think that as a world, as a culture, as a country, uh, as a denomination, and in our individual spaces and people, we are struggling, struggling with so many things. There is a lot of death and grief, but there's also space and for resurrection. And I am, um, I'm both young that lives inside of that grief, but I'm also trying to believe in resurrection in my own life and theology and in the world. Um, I'm hopeful for the ways that God will bring new life um, from this time of um, great suffering and pain and solitude. So alluding to the kind of season that we've been in, I know you mentioned that it's been a gift to have some in-person community over the summer. Um, and yet we do know that community is happening online. And so I'm curious if you have um, how you would imagine community shifting for college-age young adults as we have moved some things online. Yeah, so it's, um, I think, one, I'm not an expert on any of this. Like, I'm a person, I'm like a um, a director of campus ministry and an extended day teacher. I don't know anything about um, trends or how to make sense of all of this. Um, 
I think that connection and community is happening online. And I think a lot of college-age young adults are valuing, maybe more than they did when they were younger, valuing the importance of in-person connections. And I think that both of those spaces have the opportunity to grow and deepen. Um, but I think, especially for online spaces, there's this risk of, um, there's this risk that there can be ways that's toxic and that those not intentionally think that's really the gift that um, campus ministries, especially campus ministries like CCW can bring to those spaces. I'm curious, you talked about, you know, the community you've had in campus ministry and like building community online and stuff. I'm curious how the the community you've experienced in CCW has impacted the way you, you're looking to build community in CCW and then in other spaces um, moving forward. Campus ministries, and I would say specifically Wesley's, affirming Wesley's, um, we provide friendship and genuine community without asking anyone to pay us, um, without asking for anything in return, because we are like trying to show the grace of God, which gives and gives and gives. Um, genuinely with the heart of love. Um, and it's not like we do that perfectly all the time, but we really, really try to do that. And because of that community in that space, I was able uh, to experience community, but also learn how to be a part of a community, how, um, how that grace calls not only taking, but it also inspires the giving and the providing and the the outreach of that community so that more people can experience it um, and the maintenance of that community so that it can be all that it can be. So beautiful, so lovely, so vulnerable, so authentic, so heartfelt, all the things you always are, Brooke, and all the things you bring to our community. Um, thank you so much for sharing your, your wisdom and your love with us today. We really appreciate it. And um, really appreciate you and just everyone keep listening uh, for the last little bit of the podcast. All right. What a wonderful episode on community like Austin just coming through with his like whole masterclass on how to be a good like community leader and build a strong foundation three points and everything yeah I mean there was this point where I kind of forgot that I was helping host this podcast and just started taking notes because just boiling it down into communication expectation and accountability um just that was very thoughtful um and helpful and it it was just organizing things for myself in the way that I view our community and role in leadership and cultivating that. So, um, yeah, it wonderful words of wisdom and really great, uh, to get to hear from Austin and, uh, yeah, yeah if you take nothing away, communication, expectation, accountability. I think you've spent a good hour with us hopefully <laughs> absolutely and you know where we we didn't quite spend an hour but we spent a good chunk of time that y'all only heard a little bit of was with brooke um who's our current assistant director of community 
And I mean, she cares so much, right? And she is so, so much an advocate for making space for everyone in our community and she's willing to do the work. But I think she talked to us for like 26 minutes and we only needed five. So, um, it is and that's very, just true to Brooke's character. But It is a very deep care for our community and our community wouldn't be the same without her. We love her very much. Our community wouldn't be what it uh, what it is without someone like Christina early on. And it was really great talking to her. The um, OG community days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then talking with Ryan, um, getting those perspectives. About, yeah, Ryan, about the more current community days. And it was interesting yeah both the like differences and similarities like the things that have remained true um you know in the way Christina talked about you know uh being invited into community like through leadership in some ways right and engaging in leadership through community and I mean I think that's something most people in CCW can relate to and I think we also you know have Ryan who is just this fierce presence in our community and like fierce lover of the community Um, I think you've experienced that a lot. You know, in the midst of COVID, when we were doing virtual gatherings, and there's a lot missed in the fact that you don't have this time before or after worship where you're just talking about your week and stuff. Uh, We tried to capture a little bit of that in um, like some Zoom meetings after the gathering. And I'll just have to say they they were better meetings when Ryan was on them. He can be committed to a debate. He is also the kind of person who's like, oh, you had a bad week. Who did you wrong? Let me go find them and fiercely defend you, which I just appreciate. And um, so he just made those Zoom meetings just extra fun and intentional community times. Yeah. And I'm sure they'll be memorable for people, right? Like going into the next years when they think back on like what, what was happening during COVID and CCW, like they'll think about, you know, after the live hangs with Ryan. And I mean, we asked Gabby, you know, to share about some memories. Um, and you know, we, we heard the, the JU raccoon, uh, chasing debacle, which, um, whenever Gabby did the alumni magazine a few years ago, Um, everyone said like their favorite community memories had to do with like retreat, except for one person who was like, it's chasing raccoons out of the JU chapel for me. And it was, I'm just glad we have that story on tape now. Like we know what was going on. (laughs) It's bonding, bonding events. We, we need those. We do. We do a hundred percent. And I mean, honestly, I've never chased raccoons out of the JU chapel, but like, it sounds pretty memorable and like it would solidify a friend group to me. I think so. so. Yeah. Well, speaking of, I guess, solidifying friend groups, our friend group has to move over to the next episode um, whenever it releases. Um, And we hope, and when I say our friend group, I mean everyone listening to this podcast, Haley and I are a friend group, but like. Yeah, you're coming along. I think you're our friend group now. So we all need to move to the next podcast episode. Um, which is about leadership and you know Derek's gonna talk and that's always a gift yeah
I'm really excited. I hope you'll stay tuned. If anyone's been wondering if you're going to hear from Derek, you will next episode. So, um, as well as some other wonderful people. And yeah, so we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the CCW 10th Anniversary Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We would like to extend a special thanks to all of today's guests, everyone we consulted with to create this podcast, and our podcast engineer, Troy Aragon Buchanan. The ministry of CCW is not possible without the support of students, partners, alumni, churches, and the work of the Florida Conference of the United Methodist Church. To help this work continue, please visit campustocity.org slash 10, that's campustocity.org slash T-E-N, and give towards our $10,000 goal to be a part of the story of the next 10 years. I'm Sarah Taylor. And I'm Haley Eccles. And thank you for celebrating 10 years of CCW with us.